calling all car dealers in Ontario. Protect your clients from hefty insurance premium surcharges coming in September while simultaneously saving on your garage policy premium. With insurance premiums skyrocketing on high-theft vehicles, your clients could save up to $12,500 over five years. Increase your profits and enhance your savings with Invisitrack Locate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the November 17th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Lason, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest this week is here to talk about trust issues in the auto industry, particularly between dealers and their automakers. She'll also discuss the buy-sell market and tell us whether Canadian dealers are still looking to buy U.S. stores. All that and more when I speak with founder and managing director of Kerrigan Advisors, Aaron Kerrigan, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Aaron, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. No problem. Thank you for having me, Greg. Absolutely. Before we really dig into your latest survey and the buy-sell market, why don't you just take a moment to explain to our listeners what it is you and your business do for the auto industry? Sure. So Kerrigan Advisors is a leading sell site advisor, primarily focused on the U.S., but we have also done work in Canada and certainly sold dealerships to Canadian dealers in the U.S., Our firm is unique in that we only represent on the sell side, uh, and while we focus on sell-side advisory, we do spend an enormous amount of time understanding what buyers are looking for. So we have the largest buyer database in the industry with over 1,000 buyers and their specific acquisition criteria, and we do tend to work on the larger transactions in terms of dollar amount. Our average transaction is over $100 million dollars. That being said, and that's U.S. dollars, that being said, we do uh, also work on smaller transactions uh, depending on on where they are. And, and the key point for us is that we are not a listing service. We only work on engaged transactions where, where we are confident we can achieve what our client is looking to achieve. We understand that these businesses uh, and these transactions are once-in-a-lifetime events for our clients, and so we take each each engagement very seriously. And uh, we don't have a brokerage model. We have one deal team and everyone on my team uh, works on uh, together as a team on every, on every engagement. Excellent. We're going to get into the buy-sell market in a moment, but you just recently had your fifth edition of the Kerrigan Dealer Survey, the 2023 Kerrigan Dealer Survey. What was that? What did it entail? Sort of the broad strokes description, and then we can talk about some of those findings. It's it's really been a fascinating experience running this survey. It's as you said, the fifth fifth annual Kerrigan Dealer Survey, and we had over 650 dealers respond. Keep in mind that these dealers can represent any any franchise. That being said, we asked them specific questions about franchises because at the end of the day, especially as it relates to value. Whether you're a Toyota dealer or not, how you value, how what you think of Toyota as a franchise has implications for the valuation of that franchise. And and the the goal of the survey is really to understand where dealers think earnings are headed, where they think values are headed, uh, where they're if they're planning to grow. And we found that the majority of dealers believe that earnings are going to stay at the current level or increase in the next 12 months. So that is largely positive. 
That being said, the percentage that think that earnings will go down actually did hit a all-time high. So 38% of dealers think that earnings will decline in in the next 12 months, and that's up from 6% in 2021. So uh, uh, quite a sizable increase. What was the reason for that increase, do you think? I think it's that we are seeing earnings normalize, and frankly, I think that's a rational. This is a rational percentage because if you if we look at the dealers that we're interacting with on a daily basis, we do find that about 38% are seeing earnings decline, and about 15% are seeing earnings increase, and about 47%, about half are seeing earnings sort of normalize and moderate. So, we do think it's a reflection of the marketplace that we're seeing grosses specifically for certain franchises decline and we and and with those gross those declines in grosses we're certainly seeing earnings come down but for others we're still seeing grosses hold up or in some cases actually improve and uh, and so for those dealers their earnings are projected to stay the same or maybe even uptick a bit have you ever seen a time like this in the auto industry where um, the numbers are moving, you know, up and down almost with each other. It doesn't seem to be um, a shared opinion or or a um, majority of responses are the same. There's a lot happening in the industry. Is this a time uh, unlike any other, Aaron? I don't like to go into too much hyperbole, but I would agree that the EV situation and, and some of the mandates related to the California mandates that many other states are adopting are really creating some pretty odd dynamics in the marketplace. And you can just see it by looking at the day supply of inventory for certain, for certain franchises versus others. And, uh, and this, this sort of forced March to EV is going to result in, I, I think some pretty big winners and losers as, as these OEMs, try to navigate this government-enforced transition that has a lot of, a lot more questions to be answered than answers. Yeah, and we're in a similar situation in Canada where the federal government is saying we have a zero emissions vehicle sales mandate as well. So similar to California where essentially you're banishing the internal combustion engine. How are dealers dealing with that when it comes to evaluations of their businesses moving forward. I, I would assume if you've got a robust EV lineup, you're probably feeling pretty good. If you don't, you might not be feeling as well. There's got to be some confusion. How are dealers handling this? Well, I think the challenge uh, is that if you have a robust EV lineup, unfortunately, the EVs are, 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 are not selling very well in certain markets. And I would expect that's sort of similar in Canada is that the consumer demand for EVs because the infrastructure isn't there is not where it needs to be to meet the requirements of the government. And so it's really a push versus pull situation where the government is pushing in both Canada and the U.S. for consumers to go EV, but the consumer is not demanding that product. And therein lies the challenge. Now, on top of all of that, of course, you also have the inherent changes to the business model with EVs, the service 
and parts business is going to be completely different. And right now that represents over half of, of gross profit for most dealers. And so to have half your gross profit shrink is not a small issue, especially when you look at the facility expenses associated with car dealerships today. We did a, a survey of the OEM executives in our database. So uh, we think this is one of the first ever done where we're surveying OEM executives and asking them, where do you think the facility expenses are going to go for car dealers? And you would think, given these changes that are being are being mandated, that you'd have a smaller footprint. You're not going to need as much service. You're not going to carry as many vehicles uh, because there's going to be more of a just-in-time mentality with inventory. And yet the OEMs that we, we surveyed said we think that the facility expense is going to increase. That's a pretty bizarre response when you're also saying all these other things. So I, I do think we're in a time of, of real unknowns, a lot of known unknowns, if you will. And we don't yet know how, what the, what it's going to look like because it's very unclear where the industry is going to be in the next five years. Will we really be a hundred percent, almost a hundred percent EV? And if so, what does that mean? And, and the other thing to just keep in mind too is, you know, often people say, well, in the U.S. there's 250 million plus vehicles on the road that are largely ICE, you know, 99% ICE vehicles. And so those are going to be serviced for a long time. So service and parts are going to go great. Well, that's true. However, it will inherently be a declining revenue base because, yes, there's a lot to be serviced, but it is going to start shrinking. And so it's really hard to run a business model well when you have during during a change period like that. That's going to be quite tricky. But again, I think the jury is so is very much still out as to whether the consumer is going to get on board in the near term. We'll be right back after this short break. Due to the alarming rise in vehicle thefts, Starting September 1st, 2023, Ontario drivers will face a brand new substantial surcharge to their already high insurance premiums to many of your top-selling models, and they need your help. IA Dealer Services has partnered exclusively with KYCS Global Inc. to offer dealerships across Canada the Invisitrack Locate Vehicle Recovery Program. Invisitrack Locate is recognized in the insurance industry as a solution to auto theft loss so much so that insurance providers will waive the premium surcharge for consumers who install an Invisitrack Locate device in their vehicle. You can help your clients by simply adding an Invisitrack Locate with their vehicle purchase. Invisitrack Locate will save your eligible clients between $500 and $2,500 on their insurance surcharge per year for the next five years. Yes, you heard that right. You can save your clients between $2,500 and $12,500 over the next five years, all while adding a new revenue stream to your dealership and providing your customers with the most effective asset location and recovery device on the market. Now is the time to act. Contact your IA Dealer Services consultant today and ask how Invisitrack Locate can help you and your clients save money and recover stolen vehicles before they end up gone forever. Welcome back to the podcast, where I'm speaking with founder and managing director of Kerrigan Advisors, Aaron Kerrigan. One of the new questions on your survey was about trust. What did you find when it came to the trust dealerships have with their automakers? 
it was a really fascinating response. It got a lot of news. And we, we said, you know, let's just ask, because at the end of the day, how you tr- how much you trust a, a OEM is going to have implications on how much you're, you're willing to value that OEM's franchise. And so we asked, you know, do you have a high level of trust, a moderate level of trust, or in the extreme, no trust, zero trust? And what we found is that there were huge divergence in responses. So you have Toyota at 72% high level of trust. So, and again, this is dealer body wide. So this is 650 dealers that may or may not have Toyota, but the, the dealer body has a high level of trust. And we did have Canadians respond. So this is a North American response, right? On the flip side, uh, on the extreme, on the other direction was Ford, where, where 48% of dealers that responded had no trust in Ford, followed by Nissan at 43%, and then Lincoln, and then CJDR, and then Infinity. So those were the ones with the least amount of trust. Did you get a sense it, it, as to why? It, well, I can surmise. I mean, when I'm out and about talking to dealers, there is a ridiculously high level of trust in Toyota. They know that Toyota has always had a win-win mentality. And one of the other questions that we ask is, how do you expect OEM plan changes to the dealer model to impact future franchise profitability? And again, Toyota here in this response is is one in which 92% of dealers think that it will either be positive or have no impact. So meaning things are going to be good. Now, on the flip side, with with Ford, you have 58% believe that it'll be negative. The changes that Ford's implementing that they've discussed from it, their EV strategy and their sort of two-tiered systems for selling uh, for selling vehicles and one EV and then one ICE. So clearly, the driver there's correlation here that that the things that Ford is talking about doing are expected to reduce the profitability of its dealers, and therefore the dealers don't have a lot of trust in Ford. By contrast, Toyota dealers feel 35% of dealers responded that they think it'll improve profitability, whatever they do to change the business model in the future. So I, I do think it, it gets back to our earlier discussion, which is how the OEMs implement the changes that are inherently going to happen by switching over drivetrains, how they do it to, to ensure it's a win-win, or, or is it going to be a win-lose? Is it going to be a zero-sum game? And if it's a zero-sum game, then you're, you're going to see a much lower valuation for those franchises where the OEM sees themselves as winning and at the dealer's expense. Let's talk about evaluations for a moment. How are North American dealers generally feeling about their stores right now? Um, we've gone through COVID. Uh, we have rising interest rates. We have affordability issues when it comes to consumers being able to afford vehicles. But profit margins still remain high for the most part. How are dealers feeling about their situation and about the evaluations of their stores today? So um, we also surveyed this question. So I'll just speak to the survey first to say what they dealers said. And uh, 73% of dealers expect valuations to the to stay the same or increase. And 
so I think largely, obviously, the majority feel pretty good about valuations because valuations have been very strong. So the fact that so many of them expect valuations to to increase is, uh, or stay the same is is positive. Now, 27% think that valuations will go down. And I again, I think that that is probably indicative of the marketplace. I think about 27% of valuations will go down and about 50% will stay the same and about 20% will continue to rise. And there, where, where, how, how that bell curve works is I, I, I believe that some of the top luxury franchises are continuing to see uh, growth in earnings and the, the higher, higher end of the market has been somewhat impervious to the increases in interest rates. So we are seeing some of those franchises remain very profitable or actually increase in profitability. The and and also the Toyota and Hondas of the world are also seeing, seeing tremendous uh, tremendous strength and and we are seeing improvements in earnings there. In the middle, the ones that will stay the same, yeah, I think there are lots that are just kind of plateauing. The earnings are plateauing, and so you're, you're going to be sort of steady as you go. And then there's 27% of dealers uh, franchises that are starting to see their earnings decline quite significantly. They're, they have a 100-day supply of vehicles. They're, they're seeing real fall-off uh, in grosses because of that. And so those franchises will start to see their valuations decline. And uh, an example would be a CJDR. And, and certainly, they are seeing a lot of inventory and, and not a lot of turn. The Chrysler increased the prices on their vehicles significantly in reaction to seeing how much dealers were making in growth. They said, "Yeah, that some of that needs to come on our side of the ledger." And now they're not they're not putting out enough incentives, and so vehicles are just sitting. And so those franchises are seeing a, a dramatic decline in earnings. Um, can you speak to Canada specifically at all? I just wonder what you see from the other side of the border about our market up here. Are we as closely linked and running sort of parallel tracks, or are things different north of the border than they are in the United States? Well, from a valuation standpoint, valuations have always been sort of a head-scratcher to me in Canada, simply because you don't have the strength of the franchise law that we have in the U.S., and yet your valuations were very high. Uh, over the last last five years, they've been higher, higher in many cases than the U.S. So that's always been a little bit curious because we are starting to see in Canada more changes to the way the way the OEM wants to interact with their dealers and the concept of the agency model. And and I I I, I think the agency model is going to be negative for valuation long term because then you live as a dealer, you live in you live and die by volume. And certainly when volumes declined dramatically as we saw during the pandemic, that would have been quite quite a drastic impact if we hadn't had the pricing power that we have in 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 retailing. So I I do think that you're gonna see valuations come down in Canada because I think you're gonna see more changes to the business model with the introduction of EVs than you than you can have in the U.S. Um, prior to COVID, even during COVID a little bit, um, Canadian dealers were buying U.S. stores. Where are we at when it comes to that trend? Are Canadian dealers still looking to expand their U.S. and, and in, particularly, in particular in the South in 
sort of Texas, California, that's where we saw most of the action. What's that trend like right now, Canadians buying south? That is is still a trend. Um, we I said for a while it was raining Canadians down here. Um, <laughs> and my I my I'm half Canadian. My dad was born in Vancouver, so um, so. Um, but yeah, I, I um, we still see Canadians looking to move to acquire dealerships in the U.S. and it's really I think driven again by if I love being a car dealer and and I'm in Canada and I'm not feeling as confident on the protections of my franchise and where the OEM's going with their EV strategy, it makes a whole lot of sense to move down south where at least where I'm I can commit my capital to a a franchise that I know will have protection in my investment. So we continue to see that. Aaron, terrific stuff. I'm glad I got you on. I wanted you on for a while, but uh, the survey came up at just the right time. Terrific insight. Thanks for being my guest. Happy to be there anytime. So um, uh, thank you all. And if anyone ever wants to reach out, please, please feel free to do so. I'm happy to have a confidential conversation. I'd like to thank Aaron for being my guest. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.